Welcome, everybody, to one of our first in-season, I guess it's in-season, episodes of the Boiler Upload podcast, brought to you, as always, by Reindeer Shuttle, because driving to the airport sucks, and by Home Field Apparel. Casey, you got some Home Field Apparel here, don't you? I do, I do. Yeah, it's quality stuff, isn't it? I actually have a I've got a new order on the way right now because, uh, you know, they, they've got me hooked. <laughs> I've still yet to snag joggers, even though the hoodie was like my favorite thing. But and the hoodie's quality. The hoodie's quality. It was but, lost uh, in the uh, South Carolina move. Oh, OK. Well, and the good the news sadness. is if you if you use code boiler upload, you can get a new hoodie with a discount. So there you go. And uh, that's uh that can pay for some of our stuff right now, but uh, there's our ads for the week. And as always, I'm joined by Jace Jellison. How are you today, Jace? Doing well, Travis. Only 25 days of Purdue football. Only 25 days. Yes, you are right. And the voice you heard earlier lamenting the loss of his hoodie is Casey Bartley. How are you doing, Casey, aside from being heartbroken over the loss of a hoodie? Doing well. It was a... Uh balmy like 76 degrees here in west lafayette in august yeah it's quite pleasant today and that means it was pleasant weather for football camp and jace you have been at football camp how how have things been going there i wouldn't say pleasant weather today it was kind of rainy and i was in a t-shirt and shorts i did not dress appropriately so i was a little cold out there but other than that and my my qualms about the weather uh i mean Training camp's training camp. You're not going to learn uh, too much um, just from non-padded practices by this time tomorrow. Um, Purdue's going to be starting their their padded practices finally, so we'll learn a little bit more. But um, this group and, and these coaches, they're excited. Um, it feels like we've been excited here for months now, ever since December rolled out <laughs> and, and, and all that happened with – Obviously, Braun leaving, then Coach Walters getting in, and him kind of putting his stamp on this program. It's it's built a lot of buzz around around Purdue football and the fans and the media and, and what have you. So, um, I'm I'm just excited to to see them on September second against Fresno State. And you talk about excitement. I mean, that's uh, honestly that's been a running joke for me every year at media days. Is the you know, everybody's excited to be there. There's, there's never one coach that just hops up there and be like, man, I'm really not looking forward to this season at all. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I, and I know you mentioned uh, several times that there's only so much you can see because they only have, what, 20 minutes of practice that you can actually watch? Between 20 and 30. Yeah, and they're, they're not going to show off the super secret game plan in that 20 mm. or 30 minutes. So, uh, But has there any been anybody that's stood out like uh, so far to you? Before I, because there haven't been anyone anyone in particular really. I'm um, not a whole lot of guys that have stood out. Um, a few guys have passed the eye test to me. But before I talk about that, um, it just feels like this team has finally put the pieces together. Um, like I talked about with the excitement, um, it was months and months of question marks surrounding who's Purdue going to get to fill the offensive line gaps, the defensive line gaps, the secondary. They finally have those pieces in place. So now it's up to them to make those pieces fit and and get the puzzle figured out. Um, a couple of the guys that I was kind of impressed with in the short amount of time that I saw them, Cole Brevard and Mo uh, Amanode, 
they were a two-man wrecking crew today at practice. They were going up against uh, some of the interior offensive linemen. They were doing a, a two-on-one drill, so it was one defensive lineman, two offensive linemen, and it felt like Brevard got through every single time. He's a, with, with the addition of Jeffrey Emba, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, I have to admit, forgot about Cole Brevard and just how good that he he can be. So um, he impressed me. Mo obviously impressed me. He's he's a guy that will impress you every time you watch him. Um, a few of the quarterbacks brought up Deion Burks. Um, he's been a guy that's – we heard about him in the spring a little bit, didn't get to see him a whole lot, but <clears throat> uh, he's reportedly doing some very good things. And then Dylan Thieneman as well. I feel like we talk about Dylan Thieneman on every <laughs> podcast, but Kevin Kane just – just stop short of saying that he's going to have a, a fairly big role as a true freshman along the defense, not only in special teams, which I think he's going to excel at um, as a true freshman. But I think he could get some snaps. Obviously, Cam Allen is going to be the starter at that free safety spot and then Sanusi Kane at the other spot. So um, I, I wouldn't anticipate him starting or anything like that. But he's going to be a guy that maybe as a sophomore earns a starting role. That's pretty impressive, especially – as a true freshman, I mean, you just mm-hmm. don't see a lot of guys that come in at that position and uh, play immediately as a true freshman. Yeah, I mean, at the safety spot, Ryan Walters and Kevin Kane, uh, they're going to entrust their safeties with a lot. Like They're, they're going to be dependent upon uh, in this defense. And for them to already seemingly trust, at least on, on paper, kind of what they're saying to the media, um, to say that they basically trust Dylan Thieneman as of right now, it, it says a lot about him. How about the guys that missed uh, some time here with injuries? Mm-hmm. Do you do we have any update on them? Yeah, so obviously the ones that we've kind of talked about in the past, Garrett Miller and Gus Hartwig are the two that I feel like everyone's kind of circled. Um, they wanted to see how they'd, how they'd look at practice. Um, it's been interesting because I saw them in helmets on the first day. I was like, wow, they're both back. Turns out both of them every day um, of practice so far, they've kind of gone through the light, like dynamic warmups, things of that nature. And then they've gone off to the side and done some running drills some rehab stuff. Um, So I think it's way too soon to say uh, whether they'll be ready for the start of the season, but it is encouraging to see them actually out there warming up, um, at least going through the motions at the very least. Yeah, I mean, at, at at minimum, they can come through and hopefully, you know, be available for some depth if necessary and whatnot. But uh, I know that they've got they had some pretty gnarly injuries, especially Hartwig. Uh, his was later in the year. Miller, he he's had a couple more because he was a uh, training camp last year, wasn't he? Yeah, around the same time. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. And uh, yeah, and so what do you think on some of the position battles they got there? I know we've got kicker. Uh, I, I saw you put up a thing. You were talking about Bennett Meredith today as uh, the number two quarterback, and that's that's a pretty big spot when you've got Hudson Card and then a big question mark. Yeah, I think Meredith the, Meredith is a clear cut choice for number two because you're either rolling with Kyle Kyle Adams, who I think the staff actually likes. Um, obviously, maybe not for a starting spot over Hudson Card, <laughs> but um, if if he had to play, I think they would feel relatively comfortable with him. Um, and then the other options, Ryan Brown, a true freshman. I don't think they're going to put him as the number two, number two guy behind Hudson. So uh, Bennett Meredith's come in, and and Graham Harold did say that aside from Hudson Card, 
the the backup and the reserve quarterbacks have kind of been shaky to start camp. Um, it's not like going out setting the world on fire, which, I mean, you kind of expect. Bennett Meredith was going to go play at Charlotte before Purdue snapped him up in the transfer. So that's just the reality of it. You you knew you weren't going to get a, a top tier guy behind Hudson Card. Um, I think we all knew that heading into camp. Um, but he also said that they've been steadily improving a little bit. So um, that'll be something to watch for them. Hopefully Purdue won't need him. Um, Hudson Card's obviously penciled in as a starter. So if he goes down there, they're going to be in trouble regardless. <laughs> Who's back there? Yeah, because I'm looking at the roster right now, and the only other quarterbacks that we have are a true freshman walk-up by the name of Jake Wilson from Trophy mm-hmm. Club, Texas. And a redshirt junior quarterback that has not taken a snap and started his career at TCU, uh, Christian Geloff from Gary Catholic High School, right in your backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we, were, we were joking at, at practice the other day, a couple of the other media guys. I mean, Purdue's leading returning passers to Abdur Rahman Yassin. So, like, <laughs> like we've lamented on this podcast a few times. Um, and then the only other one that's even attempted a pass is Kyle Adams, and he did that at James Madison. He only attempted one pass and didn't complete it, so um, not a whole lot of uh, experience there. Uh, do you have any other thoughts here on uh, on campus? It's still early, obviously, and you've only been able to see so much of the practice and whatnot. Yeah, I will talk about a couple of the other guys that have been hurt. Um, Jamal Edrin. Um, mm, yes. Hasn't been completely confirmed, so I'll watch what I say on this. But um, reportedly went down on Thursday. Hasn't been at practice Friday, Saturday, or Monday today um, at the time we're recording this. I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I I don't think it looks good for him. Um, As of right now, obviously, um, things can change, and and we don't have the full story on that. But um, that's looking like something that will be something to monitor here in the next few weeks leading up into the season. Um, Corday Sidner missed the first day of practice, but he was back. It was kind of an undisclosed ailment. I think it was more of, of just rest and getting rehab and things like things of that nature. Um, and then Prince Boyd and Daniel Johnson, two guys that I think will be uh, valuable depth pieces along the defensive and offensive lines. Um, they've kind of been in the similar boat to Garrett Miller and Gus Hartwig um, going through warmups and then, doing some rehab on the side. And then I still haven't seen Salim Turner Muhammad, which was the first transfer cornerback that Purdue got um, from the portal. So um, Marquise Wilson and then Marquevious Brown, who I thought was kind of a sleeper guy heading into camp. I think those would be the two two top guys to start at quarterback, along with Jamari Brown. Mm-hmm. And then, I know Edrin was pretty solid pickup from FAU. Mm-hmm. He only had one catch in the FAU game last year against Purdue, but it was a pretty long reception. And you know, six three two fifteen. That's a that's a big guy. That's a big target on the outside to throw to. Mm-hmm. And if he misses any time, I was I've talked about it on here before. I was I was very excited to see what he looked like in black and gold. Uh, but if he misses some extended time or possibly the whole season. Um, I think Elijah Canyon and Mershon Rice are going to have to step up because those are two bigger X-type receivers that Purdue has. So um, if Edrin's out, those two guys are going to be the ones that Graham Harrell depends upon. And you still got Jerron Tibbs, true freshman as well, Mm -hmm. from Cathedral. All right. Well, uh, we can uh, probably 
switch gears now a little bit as basketball kind of took the center stage this past weekend. And Casey was there in Mac Arena for the alumni game and the scrimmage and everything else. And what, what can you tell us? How fun was it to have all the alumni back in the building, Casey? I really love the part where Chris Kramer jumped into my lap. Oh, well, I, I know that there are ladies that would have liked that uh, back in the day. Yeah, um, it hurts, <laughs> by the way. Elbow right to the head. Just full speed. Grown man. A lot of well, dudes sweat. A lot of dudes sweat just on me. Well, that that was about like at the Big Ten tournament, uh, the championship game two years ago against Iowa. I'm sitting courtside, and uh, Travion Williams comes straight at me uh, going after a loose ball. And I just get this look on my face for a split second of, that is a very large man headed my way, and uh, my laptop is not going to survive to protect me. (laughs) Well, the difference is that's a go-home game. This is an alumni game where like a 75-year-old was playing. (laughs) Um, So when yours happened, it would make sense. Mine, again, it was an alumni game where like a 75-year-old man was on the court. Everybody was doing that. I'm getting a former professional athlete. He won like championships in Germany and he's diving into the stands at Mackey Arena. It never goes away. It never I, goes away. Yeah. <laughs> Just like anything less from Kramer though. Right. It was one, very on brand. Yeah. He's the one guy that, that it felt like he had to make a diving play or something like that. I think he just wanted to steal it from Hummel one more time. <laughs> I, it, it's cool to see how the event continues to grow. Um, <laughs> when they lined there were, I believe each team had 20 participants and there was another 10 to 20 former players there at least and all their family and everyone. It's really cool to see all that much history together. And it's, it's clear a lot of those guys, this is, you know, the one time a year they can all get together. So it's cool to see that, watch them interact, see different generations, um, you know, vibing with each other. So not that part of it, definitely very cool event. Yeah, it, it always looked like that. It looks like everybody's having a lot of fun. Uh, I'm actually friends with Ryan Smith on Facebook, and he changed his picture to him diving after a loose ball. And I'm looking at it right now. In the background, you can see a couple of the other guys just laughing at him, too. Yeah, so. he did that to get the attention taken off of him because he went right at Sasha and it's been a little while since Ryan Smith played. Kind of um, he had a couple dunk attempts in the warm-up lines that didn't quite get there. And Sasha, Sasha, you know, he's fresh off like a few months ago playing professionally. And it looked like that. Um, it, I Before the game, I'm talking to PJ Thompson. And I'm like, how many of you guys going to win by? And he just like kind of looks at the other team. And he was on the black team. And he's just like... They've got like five guys that are still playing basketball professionally every day. Um, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll we'll cool it on us being the favorites. So it was it was fun. Um, whoever put the gold team together uh, clearly wanted them to win. So good for them. And uh, obviously, the other big news is you have Gene Katie was in there and looked like he got a very large ovation, especially with him going to the basketball hall of fame here soon. Yeah, he showed up to practice on Wednesday towards the end, um, watched a little bit of that, was obviously in town for everything in the game. Um, he doesn't yell as much as I remember. 
You know, when I saw him as a kid, there was always yelling when he was on the sideline. He seemed to be it's in pretty good spirits. Years old. I'm just saying that people came here for something, and it wasn't a sports coat. Didn't even have a sports coat. Didn't throw it anywhere. I guess. I guess he turned over a new leaf. He's not. He's not going to lose it in the alumni game at 87 years old, man. Uh, Next morning, he was uh, at, I believe, camping uh, on Purdue's golf course with Katie Gerald's. Yeah. That's so, awesome, though. He had a full weekend. Um, but yeah, now it's it was cool to see Conzo Martin there um, helping Gene Katie on the sideline. Very, very cool looking guy. Conzo Martin, uh, he's got the, what do, what do the kids say, Jace? The drip? Yeah, I, I believe so. I don't know. I don't say that. <laughs> when have you ever heard me say that? I don't know if you said, I'm just, out of all of us here, you're the only one under 30, so. <laughs> I think I'm it's, definitely not, I'm not going to Travis for like cool kid vernacular. <laughs> and the, the, the only vernacular that I know is like, if it is lit, turnt, bordering on crunk. Yep. See, I'm already cringing. <laughs> I'm a 43-year-old dad. Wait, I know! <laughs> Why I asked the, like, 23-year-old bachelor? <laughs> oh, my God. So, I, I know the bigger news is uh, you got to see the team play, and you said that they played extensively. Did Edie play at all, actually, in the in the scrimmage? Well, he was not there. Um, okay, that's right. That's right. I, I broke this news about a week ago that he would be not there. He's been with Team Canada for now almost... I want to say like a week. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been prepping. They've got some exhibition games before the FIBA World Cup. He's going to end up missing like a month and a half of time with Purdue, uh, including the entire Europe trip, which they left on this morning from Chicago. They are flying to Germany. They will be going to Germany, places, places, and end up in Italy. And they will be playing four games. Four games? Okay. Four games. Um, what we saw on Saturday was – a bit of a depleted roster. Ethan Morton missed it as well. He has a hamstring injury. I don't think it's super serious. It flared up on Wednesday when I was watching practice. You can see him kind of grab it, but he finished practice. Um, Matt Painter didn't even know about it until he got in uh, Saturday morning that he wasn't going to make it. So I don't think it's super serious, but with soft tissue injuries, you know, you really want to be cautious and certainly don't want to exasperate it right before being on a plane for, however long it takes to get over there. And so that, that definitely adds a little difficulties to an intra squad scrimmage. Cause you know, you're playing your own team. And I was, you know, writing a thing today and pretty much Purdue is 12 guys deep and guys that I think you can consider playable this year. Um, considering how you feel about Wilberg, who got one of the starts, and scored early and looked pretty good. He's pretty mobile for a big guy, which is nice for someone who's seven two. But when you when you don't have two starters already, and then Caleb first goes out early on in the second scrimmage, um, bleeding from the eye. That second scrimmage was he had a couple more walk ons than I think Painter normally would like at this time of year. Only at Purdue would you have a guy leave. And scrimmage in August, bleeding from the eye. <laughs> I mean, it's basketball. You catch elbows. Mason yeah. Gillis is on the court. Mason Gillis is wearing a <laughs> Batman mask because he broke his nose. Um, it, it, I think 
one of the things that stood out to me, Matt Painter still wasn't all that impressed with it, but it was a physical back and forth um, early and often. And I think that's definitely something, especially with Braden Smith and Lance Jones, um, all those big guys inside. Trey Kaufman, Wren, and Mason Gillis are both just constantly absorbing and giving contact. So it's, it is a Purdue team that will look to be physical this year, I think. That's good, because I know you had mentioned that before, that you want them to be a little bit more aggressive in that regard rather than be, you know, have teams be aggressive against them, which is what they saw much of last season. Yeah, they've they've got a lot of interesting bodies, especially in the big men. They've got enough of them that you don't have to be super worried about foul trouble. And, I mean, part of the... I, I still think each big man is still two thirds of everything that painter wants in a big guy. It's just besides ED, they all just lack like one little thing. Cause the game started off with Braden Smith. A uh, big thing with ED being gone. The offense is going to be entirely Braden Smith. He's going to run pick and roll. He's going to dissect teams. He's going to pull up for mid range. And he had a really nice rhythm with Caleb first early on in the pick and roll finding first cutting to the basket first is really good at that. He's really mobile. He moves around well and he can finish at the rim. So you get that part with Caleb. You obviously get some defense and rebounding, especially on the offensive end. But even though he was willing to shoot, didn't have a great year last year from the perimeter and didn't make a bunch of shots at the scrimmage. You would like to see that shooting be a little Mason Gillis. He's got great shooting and pretty decent rebounding. Um, and plays good defense out on the perimeter, but he's a little small. Trey Kaufman ran, roasted him a couple times on the baseline just because Mason Gillis is, you know, about 6'6". Mm-hmm. And then you add in Trey Kaufman ran, who is getting more comfortable out on the perimeter. He's good putting the ball on the ground, but you see about three or four times where he just wants to, he wants to dive in, take contact, and then spin towards the middle. There were three collisions created from a Purdue teammate knowing that and getting to his spot before he does. And I think he had better Brian Waddell in the nuts in a way that was very violent. Um, and there were a couple of collisions like that. And, th- and those are things that we definitely saw out of Trey last year to start the year that he's kind of a little, he's a little stubborn in the post. Like he wants to push and do his thing and he didn't have a natural counter reaction to that in a game. But he got better throughout the season. So it'll be interesting to see if he has a similar evolution from playing a little more perimeter-oriented this year. Yeah, he almost had that uh, Mark Jackson just back him down with about 12 dribbles, it seemed, at times last year. Yeah, he's definitely comfortable with the ball in his hand. He's comfortable with his back to the hoop. Um, It's just going to – his jump shot still needs to improve some. It's not all the way there, and he's going to get a ton of looks because if – Purdue plays as much Trey and Edie as it sounds like they want to. Um, Matt Painter has just continued to say that him at the four is the offensive punch they want. If they do that, if you're an opposing defense, you're going to send Trey Kaufman Wren's guy for the double every time. So he's going to be open for shots. And that's something he's got to get a little better at knocking down. Right. I mean, that's that to me, that's the biggest thing that Purdue needs to do with consistency is they have to be able to hit that three out of the double because the double's going to be there all season. Yeah. <laughs> and Edie has improved drastically in passing out of it, which is wonderful. But you pass out of it and you miss a shot it doesn't do you any good. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, it remains to be seen because take Berg out of the equation. I think as soon as Edie came back, his minutes, you know, he's a redshirt freshman this year. He's not going to play. That's fine. But you have 11 guys that are going to vie for minutes. And it gets real tricky when you think of Brian Waddell, who played early last season and then kind of came out of the rotation as competition racked up. And last year, you could definitely encounter a lot of that to him not being healthy from his knee injury. This is now year two after ACL surgery, which is when you start to really become yourself again. He knocked down a couple shots from the perimeter. He's 6'8". And I was talking to Foreman, and they had a little combine like where they recorded their vertical jumps and stuff and he doesn't have the numbers yet but he he was pretty sure waddell has the highest vertical on the team what wow which is kind of a story that's been going around a couple years ago that nba scouts were uh in the arena to watch ivy and then they all kept asking who's the white kid from carmel (laughs) (laughs) but he is a huge body who's very assertive and makes good decisions on the floor and that in theory, can shoot. That's going to be hard to keep on your pitch. But at the same time, you've got Miles Colvin, who early on forced a steal from Lawyer and had a big dunk in Mackey Arena. That's something that obviously everyone's been wanting for Purdue that Purdue needed more of. But at the same time, Fletcher Lawyer absolutely cooked him. Cooked him continuously throughout the day, lost him on screens, got around him. He's got to be better on the defensive end. There is no excuse for Fletcher Lawyer to dribble by him on the perimeter. I also know you're a big Camden Heidi fan. Here, Here's where you get a chance to uh, talk about him. Yeah, that's the next name. And I think if anyone on the team is just begging to be the fifth guy on the floor, it's Camden Heidi. He's somewhere between 6'6 six, six and 6'8". Six, Great body, big shoulders, plays hard, and he rebounds the basketball. In that second scrimmage, while everyone else getting a little tired and the ball's getting up there, it was Camden Heidi coming down with most rebounds. And to have that alongside Zach Eady, who's already the best offensive rebounder in the history of basketball, in history of college <laughs> basketball, number one <laughs> offensive rebounding rate since they've recorded that stat in his career. He grabs one out of five misses on his own. Caleb first, really good rebounder, top 100 offensive rebounder. There are going to be lineups where we have those two out there with Heidi, and Purdue is going to be a dangerous team on the glass. And Heidi can shoot the ball. He's a very good set shooter, can, can attack on a closeout because he's a crazy hopper. So you add those things together, and you're asking him to be the fifth guy on the floor? That is... Absolutely ideal. If he can defend the way he looks like he can and rebound the ball like that, he is going to take minutes. He's more ready-made to play right now than Miles Colvin. Does he have that ceiling? No. Is he going to score off the dribble the way Colvin does? No. But he does the small stuff already, and he does it really well in a big athlete's body. So I definitely think, I I mean, Ethan Morton and Miles Colvin are going to be playing for that wing spot as well. Uh, Morton's going to play a little backup point guard, maybe at least defensively. There's a whole lot up for grabs in that guard wing position. Who's going to play minutes. I would be shocked if Heidi doesn't play a little more than some people think. 
So obviously you've got Edie Smith lawyer. They've got three of the spots locked down. Who's your other two starters? I, it sounds like painter wants to make Trey a starter at the four. I still feel like Caleb first is the best all around big man behind Edie, but it's wild because Mason Gillis unlocks the offense. Caleb first unlocks the defense almost in the exact same way. Um, their advanced metrics pretty much show that as much improved as they get on defense for first is the amount they improve on offense when Mason Gillis comes in. But Trey is sitting there at potentially a combo of those two, I think is what Painter Painter sees out of it. So I, I honestly, I, I have no idea. Interesting. I, mean, I, I think it'll be interesting also to see if he changes up kind of his rotations based on matchups this year, because I know that's one thing that you've noticed. You can almost set your watch by, okay, who's coming in at this juncture and everything. Whereas he's got the embarrassment of riches. He can play guys based on a matchup or who's got the hot hand or anything else right now. Yeah. He's going to have too many bodies. Um, he pretty much lamented last year that he felt like he was eight, nine, 10 people deep with starting level talent. And he has even more of it this year. So, Oh yeah. I mean, Lance Jones is going to play. He's going to play because he's going to be the primary backup to Fletcher and Braden. Um, that's probably 20 to 25 minutes a game, if not more, if he plays well. Uh, I think he was very encouraging the fact that Lance Jones can get to the bucket and he can make plays on guys. And I think that's going to help Braden Smith out a lot. So I think they're going to play those two a little more than you think. Braden Smith might play 37 minutes a game. Ooh, that's high risk, high reward, though. <laughs> He's not going to play that much, but I guarantee you he will in must-win games. Um, yeah. If if anything stood out from the practices I've seen scrimmages this year, Braden Smith is the second best player at Purdue. Um, he is a all Big Ten first team point guard, and he might be. Uh, yeah, he's. I think he will be one of the five best players in the conference. Ooh. That is bold. I like bold. As a true freshman, he averaged a nine, four, and four. That really doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. And and I know it's just unfortunate that a lot of people just kind of forget that. And they they just see the FDU game guilty right here. And, uh, (laughs) and, and they forget. Yeah. He had a fantastic freshman season. So, I mean, there there is obviously a lot to be excited about here, and it's just going to be interesting to see how focused this team is because, you know, they they know what happened. They know what happened, and they're going to be they're going to be out for vengeance. They got they've got to overcome what what happened. And I think they know that. And I think they'll do that. Yeah, it's been no secret. Um, They were there at the loss. Uh, They played the game. Uh, just to touch a little bit, I know I put this in the article today, but uh, Smith ranks as freshman in Purdue, his freshman season, 11th in points scored in the history of Purdue as a freshman, 10th in rebounds. Mm-hmm. He's six foot, maybe a buck 75. 10th all time in rebounds, 9th in made three pointers, 4th in free throws, 1st in free throw percentage. First in assists, second in assists to turnovers, fourth in steals, 
most games started in second most minutes ever played as a freshman. Those are good numbers. Those are real good numbers. <laughs> He's the second best player on Purdue. That's not the best player coming back. Second best. Well, I mean, you've got Edie coming back. Do you think I'm, this- saying, I'm like, that is the bona fides of what a really good player coming back would be. Oh, yeah. But he's the second best player coming back. Do you think this team benefits uh, getting to play in Europe without Edie? I do, because I think um, I don't. It wasn't as much of an issue last year as I thought it was going to be. Purdue was still pretty good, even with Edie on the bench. And part of that is because they have so many big guys. But I think what can happen and what this inter-squad scrimmage showed a little bit is Purdue's going to have a lot of time to get this second offense working, which is going to be a Braden Smith high pick and roll offense. And it's people moving and running and operating around that. So they're going to get all this game time adjusting to different opponents, grown men trying to defend it. And they're going to have those reps going into the season. So Edie didn't get in foul trouble somehow all last year. Guarantee you that won't happen again this year. There will be games where he gets in foul trouble. There will be games maybe where even it doesn't work quite as well and they need a two, three minutes flash. But I just think Purdue has such a high floor already with Edie and what he provides at a base level. And you just, you're not going to keep him from a 15 and 10. You know that's there. The idea that Braden Smith leading a bench unit that wins their minutes as well. That makes me think upsets aren't going to happen as much. Um, Some of those games on the road, they're not going to fall behind. And if they're winning Edie on the bench minutes, this team is going to be a national title contender in a real way. That's what we need. That is exactly what we need. So I think on that note, we can uh, we can end on the positive note right there and uh, just call it a night here. And uh, I guess, do you have any final thoughts on football, Jace, before we go? I do not. You do not? Uh, how about Chase? Any they basketball? named the defense. Hmm? They named the defense. Yeah, they did that like in May, I think. They did not call it airstrike in May. I'm pretty sure they did. No, I think they did. I we were just the the day I filled in for you. We we're talking to Cam Allen, and they didn't know what the name. He said we've been playing around with it. I think we're about to come out with it. You're talking about airstrike, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I think that's been this? around for a while. Yeah, that's okay. been... I didn't know it. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Do you have any final basketball thoughts? No. Casey? All right. Well, oh well. Yeah, Zach's going to be playing with Team Canada for the next month or so. We'll. We'll have coverage of that and the four games in Europe. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, as we know, 25 days by to Purdue football by the time this goes up. So, again, we thank you for listening to us. Uh, we will have a uh, new subscriber special by the end of the week. Uh, we'd love to have you come on board, get our exclusive content. Uh, we keep a lot of the stuff behind the paywall that is good. And I know that on our message board, that's where most of our our updates from camp are going up on our depot message board, which is our pay board. So we do thank you. If you are a subscriber, we'd love to have you if you're not a subscriber and uh, just keep your eyes peeled for a new link for that this week. 
So for Casey and for Jace, I am Travis Miller of Boiler Upload and Boiler Up.